Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. The topic for today, keeping your options open can be suicide. Okay? Uh, welcome, everyone. Wherever you are, whenever you're listening, we are greatly honored by your presence, and thank you so much for investing a little bit of your time. We hope we can uh, do something that'll make you feel like that was worthwhile. Uh, each week, we want to give you a little something to think about, a little something to challenge you, and a little something to practically apply to your life to hopefully make your week a little bit better. And let us know how we can do that better. We, we started this about 14 years ago, uh, and our only intention was to serve you. So if we can do that better, uh, let us know how. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, something that a lot of people just sort of overlook or let it happen the way it happens in their life, and they don't realize that it may be the thing that's keeping them from the life, from the health, from the vitality, from the happiness that they're seeking in their life. And, and, and many times over the last 30 years, I have witnessed people changing this in their life, and all of a sudden everything gets better from then on. So I hope for some of you that will be the case. For the rest of you, uh, maybe it'll be something interesting for you to think about and mull over this week. Keeping your options open can be suicide. Now, we tend to think that's a great thing, keeping your options open. And I hear that all the time. I hear that uh, in business situations. I hear that from, peop from um, uh, people who are struggling in a relationship. I hear that. Uh, from people about their work. I, I hear it about everything and have for a long, long, long time. And on the surface, it sounds good. And I'm not saying there's never a situation where you want to keep your options open. There, 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 there are times like that, and there are situations like that. What I'm talking about is more of a global thing where in a particular area of your life, 
keeping your options open is killing you in that area and you probably are not even aware of it. Most of the great things and events that have been done all throughout history have come from a great and difficult commitment. I'll give you a couple of uh, things from my own life. Uh, hope, sorry about that. Um, hope and I got married in 1986, both believing our life was going to be happily ever after. A year and a half later, uh, she wanted a divorce. I'm not sure if I wanted a divorce or not. I certainly wasn't happy, and and I, I was confused as to how did how in the world did this happen. And how did we take every precaution? We did premarital counseling voluntarily. We read books to, we read books separately, the same book, underlined it, made notes, and then got together and discussed it. And they were all about marriage, relationship, you know, that sort of thing. So when we said, I do, we thought, man, we are about as prepared as you can be. And we're going to have one of those top 1% marriages. Less than two years later, she wanted a divorce. I'm really unhappy, etc. Well, I believe most people would probably have cut bait at that time and moved on to the next thing. And we were greatly, greatly tempted to do that. In fact, while we were separated, Hope was telling her friends... I've never been happier in my life now that I'm away from Alex. Okay, the last thing she wanted was to be married to me. Uh, she, she wanted a divorce, etc. But as much pain as we were in, both of us made a commitment. We had a re, in fact, we had a recommitment ceremony. For our marriage, invited friends, had a cake, you know, all that sort of thing, saying, okay, we did this the first time, sort of ignorantly, not completely knowing what we were signing up for. This time we do, and we both pledged, we're in it forever, no matter what. And I can tell you with zero reservation that today... Uh, about 30 years later, I am way happier than my premarital fantasies about marriage, which are unrealistic. I'm happier than that. And I think so many things in life, you have to go through the chaos, as Dr. M. Scott Peck said years ago, to get to the change and the great thing that you want in your life. And that is evidence as we look back on history and see that, you know, I, I mean, look at America. Was, was America easy? Was, was American freedom and independence from Britain and other countries easy? Oh, my goodness. No, it was the opposite of easy. Look at the civil rights movement in America. Look at, look at Gandhi in India. Look, I mean, the greatest things that have ever been accomplished, virtually every single one of them, happened through great and often difficult commitment.
we want to keep options open when we shouldn't. There's a time we should, but we want to keep them open when we shouldn't because of past pain, which leads us to perceived future pain. And of course, this comes from our most hardwired programming that we have as a fetus, and you'll have the day you die to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Okay, a lot of our keep our options open are based on pain and pleasure, even if we never think of them that way. Well, the problem with that is almost everything good in life also involves pain or even uses the pain as a booster to get to that thing. Uh, I always knew that I was good at psychology. I was good at people. I always knew that. If I had done what I really wanted to do in high school, college, etc., I would have become a psychologist or a psychiatrist right out of the chute. I would have been, I would have been doing that in high school. I would have majored in that in college. I would have gone on to grad school or med school. But I didn't do that. Okay, why? Because I was afraid of the commitment. Academics had been so hard for me because of dyslexia, ADHD, and, and a few other things that I was terrified of the pain of more academics and even harder academics than I'd been through before. So I took the path of least resistance and got the easiest job I could get for me and was for all practical purposes, miserable for the next several years. And I absolutely believe that contributed to the, uh, our, my marriage problem with hope because I was miserable. I didn't like my work. I knew that that's not what I was supposed to be doing. But I was afraid of committing and doing what was necessary to do what I believe I was called to and believed I was built for and even gifted in. Once I started doing that, oh my goodness, I just felt so much freedom and relief and joy and peace that I'd never really felt before. And, and it transferred across really all areas of my life. There's a thing that I call the, uh, the three C's in the Heart Issues Finder test, but it's really the four C's. And the four C's are what take us or prevent us from a life of love, joy, peace, happiness, and health. And they are communication, community, meaning intimate, right relationship with other people, communion, which is the intimacy part of that. I'm not talking about communion like in church. I'm talking about the word communion, which basically is intimacy. And, I'm, and, and it might include sexual intimacy if that's right for that situation, but it's not specifically talking about that. It's intimacy, whether sexual or not, right loving relationship with myself, with others, with God, etc., but you cannot have any of those three without the fourth C, which is commitment.
So I would really encourage you to pray and think about that this week. Where, I, where am I on these four things? Communication, okay? Do I speak the truth in love, whether it's easy or whether it's painful, to the people that I need to be in right relationship with? Am I seeking intimacy in my relationships? Not sexual, unless it's appropriate for that, okay? But intimacy, closeness, meaningful conversations, deep conversations, heartfelt conversations, friendship, I've got your back, that sort of thing. Community, do I have at least one other person up to hundreds that I'm in a loving, speak the truth in love, talk about important things, friendship? Do I have other people in my life that I have this system built into that I help? If, if I get their call, I will be there to help. If they get my email or text, they will be there to help. Uh, studies have come out recently about millennials that have been really interesting. And what they found is that the average millennial, I believe this is right, when they ask, how many friends do you have, the average is about 100, okay? Which it sounds wonderful. I mean, I didn't have 100 friends when I was 15, 20. Um, but then when they're asked, how many friends do you have that you can count on in an emergency or if you really need help, and for most millennials, the answer is zero. So that community needs to be more than Facebook friends. It needs to be more than Twitter followers. It means people that you can tell anything. They can tell you, your friends, they've got your back, you've got theirs, there's love in that relationship, etc. Okay? But you have to have commitment to have that. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, what if you've got a friend who, as far as their friendship with you, is just keeping their options open? What if you're in a committed relationship, like a spouse or significant other, but the other person's attitude toward the relationship is, yeah, I'm in this relationship with them, and then maybe you, well, are you committed long term? Well, I'm committed for now. I'm keeping my options open long term. How does that feel to you if, if you're the one they're saying that about? Well, I know how it feels to you. It hurts like heck because we're not built that way. The way love is supposed to work, once, you're, once you make a decision and commitment to love somebody, it's forever. Now, maybe you will not stay married. Maybe you'll not even stay in the same job. Maybe you won't stay neighbors. Maybe you won't ever see each other hardly because you conflict. But even staying separate from them in that way, you are committed to loving them and forgiving them no matter what for the rest of your life. Okay? And what I, what I, the, the important point here is if you don't do that, 
It will eat you up on the inside. That is unforgiveness. That is fear-based. You don't want to be committed because of fear of being hurt yourself. Well, that's, that uh, kicks the hypothalamus into stress mode. Your immune system is suppressed, etc., etc., etc. Okay? So, I would take stock of yourself this week. Where am I on commitment, communication, communion, and community? And maybe look at that overall, and then look at it based on this this area of my life, and then this area of my life, and then this area of my life, and where you want to get to is on a zero to ten, being eight or above on all of them. Okay, with this person. Now, I'm not saying in in a situation that's not safe, okay? If someone lies all the time and you can't trust them and whatever, okay, you can still love them but not be committed to sharing information with them, okay? So don't take this too extreme in certain situations. What I, but what I'm talking about is a commitment to love, to forgive, regardless of their actions. Stay together, not stay together physically, that's a different deal. And that's not what I'm talking about. But take stock this week. Where are you on these four C's? Because these four C's are what has to be there for you to live a life of love, joy, and peace to the degree that it's possible for you and that you feel like, you know what? I have a life of meaning and purpose. Yeah, I have things go wrong. I have disappointments. I have pains that come up physically, mentally, spiritually. But I am happy, I am fulfilled, I have meaning, I have purpose, and I like my life. I'm not looking for the life that I like. I like my life. Maybe now you're looking for the life that you will like. Hopefully I'm giving you some breadcrumbs of how to get there today. You will never know what you could have done, accomplished what you could have been as a person if you don't fully commit. Hank Aaron had a, not Hank Aaron, uh, Babe Ruth had a wonderful quote. It is almost impossible to defeat someone who will never give up. I, I remember in high school, uh, uh, in history class, being taught about Abraham Lincoln and all the many times he had failed and gone bankrupt in his life. That, yeah, the end result of his life is maybe the most beloved and successful person in the history of the United States by a lot of measuring sticks. But if you'd looked at the details of his life until he got to that end place, man, it was fraught with failure and bankruptcy. But he did not quit. And I believe he lived those four C's and what we know of his life he did. The honesty, the, the openness, the truthfulness, the... Never giving up, 
yeah, I got knocked down, but I'm going again. I mean, it's almost like he liked pain because he kept, he kept doing things that, that were painful. I guarantee you he did not like pain, but he persevered through it. Please pray and meditate about that this week. The things in my life that I'm trying to be successful at, am I fully committed or am I keeping my options open, even if maybe you wouldn't say it in those words? Maybe you would say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm holding back a little here to protect myself. That's keeping your options open in the context we're talking about today. And then, if you see some things in your life that you're not fully committed to, but you desperately would like to see success at, please think and pray about you may never get that unless you fully commit. And at the end of your life, and this is the worst thing for me in counseling, was counseling people with crushing regret at the end of your life. At the end of your life, you can never know what you could have had, what you could have been, what you could have experienced, the love, joy, and peace that could have defined your life. You can never know what that could have been if you had fully committed. So how do you do that? How do do you, you know, if you are afraid because of past pain, and so you're perceiving future pain, and that's causing you to hold back or to keep your options open or whatever you want to call that, how do you start committing? How do you change that? Well, you got to clean up your heart. Your heart is a million times more powerful than your conscious mind. There's no way for most of us with willpower that we will ever be able to overcome those unconscious memories and their corresponding beliefs, thoughts, feelings, and actions that are mandated to us because of that past pain. We just aren't strong enough in our willpower to do that. Now, the two exceptions, God, I believe, can just touch you and whoosh, you're changed and you start fully committing, and you never look back, and it's easy and a miracle. And that's my preferred way. But it does not, and I believe that happens. It's happened in my life. But it doesn't always happen. So if it doesn't happen for you that way, and that's how I would seek it first, then use the tools. Use memory engineering. Use trilogy to, to lessen those fears, to heal those past pains, to work on your wrong perception of the future, that it is going to be painful because the past is and I'm never going to get there. And, you know, those are all lies. Now, they sometimes become self-fulfilling lies because you believe them and it keeps you from doing the four C's and fully committing. But that did not have to be the outcome. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy based on your pain and fear in the past. So when you heal those things, clean them up, then you can consciously choose to fully commit where maybe you could not before. That happened with me. That happened with Hope. 
That's happened with probably at least 50% of the people that I've worked with over the years. So, I challenge you, I invite you to come up alongside me and Johanna as we are trying every day. And it's a daily process to fully commit to right relationship with God, to right relationship with myself, to right relationship with others, to right relationships, period, to, to commit, to have communion, to communicate in truth and love even when it's hard, and to experience wonderful, loving community and intimacy in your life. Are you up for that? Does that sound appealing? I promise you, unless you're on your deathbed right now, no matter where you are, you can still get to that from where you are now. I've, I've had so many people tell me, oh, that sounds great, but it's too late for me. If you're not on your deathbed, it's not too late for you. So pray, get out the tools, clean up your heart junk, and think about in the areas that it's appropriate, fully committing rather than keeping your options open. Keeping your options open is just another word for the fear of pain.